I'm Justin Gerhardt. And I'm Eddie Fritz. Welcome to the Queer Network Podcast. Join us as we explore queer in the 21st century. For me, I often forget, you know, at 32, half my life ago when I was 16, I came out and I considered suicide. It was very difficult for me to like to reconcile that that space in between living a lie and um, not being ostracized publicly or, you know, living my truth publicly and being often ostracized. And um, that's what came to a head in, in when I was 16, entering my senior year of high school. And I decided that it was, I mean, this is in the film, and this part is very true of like what happened in real life. Not all of it, but um, um, the part where I, in my mind, decided I was going to finally come out to my parents. And depending on the look on their face, I was going to go to my roof and jump. I think back on that moment in my life, and it was a very sort of triggery, impulsive moment. My thoughts were that I was never going to be able to live a life as, a, as an openly gay man. I was never going to be able to love a man and be happy and be in the world. And it felt like that means it was never going to be enough to be alive anymore. I couldn't do it anymore. Unfortunately, came to terms with it after coming out to my mother and it not being received well at first. Now we're great, she's my best friend, but back when that happened, she, uh, based on the look on her face, I could not handle it and I just made the choice quietly. But um, when I went to my roof, there was someone on the roof. So I feel like I had made a choice that then was interrupted. And so for a long time, I've struggled with what that means to me. Would I still have done it if she wasn't on the roof and I wasn't sort of embarrassed to do it in front of her? Like, it's an awful thought. Um, but I saw her, I smiled, she smiled like we normally did. She was just a neighborhood person. And I went back down to my room and the first thing I did was call my best friend who was my next door neighbor, like a building down. And I told him that I needed to talk to him. And I think for me, what, what shifted the suicide, um, the idea of committing suicide in my head was that maybe I wasn't ready to leave. I just needed to find someone who was gonna accept me. And in my desperation, I called the only other person that I thought of at the moment. And I, I went over to his house and it was him, his mother and his sister, and they always treated me so well. And I think in a way I thought I needed I think I needed, I needed more than one opinion. So I reached out to another person. And I did, and um, when I got there and I told them, all three of them embraced me and I, I broke down. And it was a really beautiful, beautiful moment. And yeah, and, and after that moment, I started coming out to more and more people and it actually started with my friends. And so I think there's a lot of power in friends and chosen family. So I would actually start there. When I was having those suicidal thoughts and feelings and when I was in that place, my train of thought was that I was alone, physically and emotionally, and that I did not have people that I could reach out to and that nobody could, could understand what I was going through and the sort of pain and loneliness that I was experiencing as a 17-year-old. 
And, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone's personal experience, but what I can tell you is that if you think you're alone and if you think that no one understands what you're going through, it's, it, it's not true. I know it's very hard to see it that way, especially when it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And for me, it really did feel that way. I felt like the lights were closing off and I was left alone in the dark and I was physically alone in the house that day too, which made me only feel worse. And I wish I had picked up the phone and called one of my friends because I actually had a very strong support system of friends, but I felt that I was alone and that they couldn't understand and that I wasn't going to be able to get help from them. But, but you know, when I did end up being hospitalized, they were all there and they all came to see me in the hospital. And I immediately began to regret what I did because I realized that if I had picked up the phone first and reached out to those people, if I had realized that just because I'm alone doesn't mean I have to stay alone, things might have gone differently. There are always people that you can reach out to. Even if they're not people that are directly in your life, there are helplines. And I know it, it may sound terrifying or trepidatious to pick up the phone and use one of those helplines, but they save lives. And those people on the other end, people like myself have been exactly where you are. And they have perspectives that you yourself may not be able to see at the time, in the moment. And I do understand that with suicide, with depression and suicidal thoughts, it is very easy to stay in your own head and it can be very difficult to get out of it and reach out to other people. But if you can, if you can make that effort, I would implore you to because there are always people that are gonna be willing and wanting to help you. You hear about suicide so often, you know, that we had a phase where everybody was posting YouTube clips of it gets better and and it for me it is so far removed. Like I the idea that I almost killed myself is so far removed from where I'm at today that I thought it was actually really important to remember it because at some point in my life that was the realest thing. And I know that there are tons of people out there where this is, whether it's, you know, like you're in a country where it's, where being queer in any, you know, in any shape or form is, you know, a death penalty or, you know, or it's just like, it's more like sort of insidious within the culture, you know, or within um, our own culture here in North America. Like there's a, there's a lot of people who are struggling with this. And I just felt like I had to honor, I had to honor that moment for myself but I felt like by doing that, I would sort of um, be able to start a conversation for others. And, and it looks like we have. Since my attempt, I had never fully talked about it with too many people, including those close in my life, especially my parents. So actually in me showing this film privately to some of those people in my life, it itself was a conversation starter. And... It, it led to some really interesting conversations with my parents and with some of my friends who were there that night, who were in the hospital. And yeah, I mean, I really do feel that the film 
can help you on your journey to have those conversations with people. So like the thing for me that made it worth it to hold on, because sometimes that can seem sort of like nebulous to just hold on and we all promise it's gonna be better. I can only speak about my personal experience, but almost all of my personal relationships got stronger. They got a little, you know, more tense before they got stronger. But I think I was able to make a lot of people in my life, whether it was family or friends, see the world in a very different light. And that ultimately felt very rewarding. I'm also happy that I continue to get to listen to my favorite artists. Like discovering that Beyonce has a new album out in 2013 and that nobody was gonna fucking know that it was gonna come out. I would never know what that moment was like if I was not here. And so things like that, my favorite movies, finding out that there's a Matrix 4 coming out, come on, this is like, these are big things. <laughs> these are moments to live for. That vegan cheese is gonna get better. These are all things that Nikki at 16 had no motherfucking clue was gonna happen. Stick around, folks, because there's a lot more coming. If I had been able to reach out to people, if I hadn't shut myself away, I could have gotten the help that I needed. Of course, I can't blame myself for that. That's part of, you know, depression and suicidal thoughts is you can't always stop yourself from yourself. But I've learned to make peace with it. And now I'm at a place in my life for the last however many five or six years where I don't hide them anymore because for a while with my vertical scars with all the scars that I have on my inner arms I would hide them I'd always wear long sleeve shirts I was terrified of people seeing them because I just inherently knew that questions would follow but now that I've made peace with it I don't have to cover them up anymore and it's something that makes me feel really good to not have to worry about we our society doesn't allow for us to be vulnerable, period. And asking a, an awkward question is still a form of vulnerability. Not for the person in question, but for the person who has to make, who has to ask the question. And I would implore everyone to kind of not give a fuck about how you think you're gonna be perceived because that question of, are you okay? Are you gay? Are you, do you, are you having, dark thoughts do you you know or even saying like I'm nervous or I'm scared that um, you're isolating yourself or just saying anything like is better than making someone think that they're in a vacuum that's how I feel and like again um, doing some research I saw that I've I've been reading up on it recently more and um, the research suggests the more a person feels like they cannot reach out to people, they won't reach out to people. And ultimately, they decide to take their life because that they, there, is, there is no one there on the other side to have a conversation with them. When I was 16, I didn't have many people that I could have a conversation with. Um, but I had some people who were unafraid to sort of speak their mind, be themselves, and that inspired me to start to come out. And um, sometimes it's as simple as that. I think if we, I think it just comes down to communication. I think we all need to communicate better, yeah. What would I say to 16-year-old Nick? I would tell him, I would tell him to chill the fuck out, 
Can we curse? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. I would just tell him to chill the fuck out, that it was always going to be okay, and that there was always going to be something else that was going to feel like the end of the world. But if you just hang in there a little longer, the next day was going to be beautiful. I feel um, definitely like social media was something that was not around when I was 16. And I know that this is something that can either save or trigger a person's life um, into sort of like committing suicide um, or just getting really down. You know, like we can feel really high when it's going well and you're getting lots of likes or comments or engagement. And then you can feel extremely low when something doesn't happen. And I don't really have any answers about what the solutions to this may be, but I will say that generally speaking, um, something that I think we could all use a little more of is social and the less less of media. Sort of like meet up with your friends in person. Don't assume that you're close with your friends anymore just because you can comment all the time and not make a phone call or go grab diner food at 3 a.m. Like those are really the things that, I mean, again, if I go back to like what I'm grateful for now and I'm grateful that I didn't take my life, it's for spending time with people, going to a diner, just sitting, enjoying and laughing and, and doing things in person that you can't really do in front of like a piece of glass. So I would say that that to me is the biggest thing is like social media is a good way to sort of like keep track of people, but it's not a good way to stay in touch with people in my experience. What is next for me? Well, as it so happens, I'm currently in the midst of putting together my first full-length feature film. Um, you know, I've done several shorts and I just feel I'm finally at that place that I can put together my first film. What I can tell you about it is that it is a family-centric comedy drama and that we are gonna be shooting it in my hometown of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. While I can't say it's happening anytime soon, I can't say, you know, you'll be able to see the film in a month or two. What I can say is that it's coming. <laughs> For me, um, so I just finished touring with my latest film called Zero One, and uh, it's a short film sequel to a film from uh, 2016 called Ultra Blue. And I am now working on the sequel to that, which will be my first feature following this character of Jimmy Park. Um, it's called Electric Mars. And uh, yeah, and I'm very excited. Where can people see it? Um, Ultra Blue is actually online right now. It's, it's on YouTube, it's on Vimeo, and it's on my Deku. Um, and Zero One is, we're, we're working on distribution for that as well. And um, yeah, and you, can, and you can find me on IG, Nikki Neon, N-I-C-K-Y. Um, and I'd be happy to share my work with you. If you'd like to check out more of my work, both Ecstasy and What About Shelly are also available on the Queer Network YouTube page. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can always check out my website. My website is kyle-reum.com. I'd like to thank the Queer Network for giving us this opportunity, not only to share the film, but to talk about it in this way. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to the Queer Network. Um, I think it's a really special platform. Um, thank you, Kyle. And thank you all for watching the film and for being so vocal. Um, I really hope to keep, continue making things that activate and make you feel something and make you see the world differently. It is an incredibly important topic that we need to keep talking about because the more it stays 
in our heads, uh, the, the more dangerous it gets. And so, you know, this is an, a way that we can express those feelings and that you at home can understand that you're not alone and that there are other people that are going through a lot of the same feelings and emotions that you have and, and this is where the power of the collective comes together and we realize that when we share and when we open ourselves and when we're vulnerable, we, we actually um, we grow and we give ourselves that opportunity to, to connect to other people and realize that we're more alike then we actually are different. So thank you so much for supporting Kyle and Nick. They both have Instagrams that you can follow if you want to follow their journey. Queer to me means special. It means other. And sometimes you have to be outside of the normal to see how you can make the normal better. So queer for me is special. Thank you for listening to the Queer Network Podcast. You can follow the Queer Network on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join us next time for another queer conversation.